0: hello 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 everyone welcome to day 50. i can't believe we made it i can't believe i made it to day 50. Uh, again this is the 7am novelist 50 day writing challenge first draft edition you all made us made it with me that's amazing um i'm michelle hoover if you don't know i'm your host uh today we're trying to answer a big question how do you know when you're done. And of course, if you guys have been working on just your first draft, you are not done because you probably have many more drafts to go. But this is a question that I get a lot from other writers and, um, and it's a very difficult question. So we have author Casey LeBlanc to, here to help us out and think about this. Casey is a 2015 graduate of Harvard and an alum of Grub Street's Novel Incubator Program where he was an Alice Hoffman fellow. He was a finalist in the 2019 for public li- uh, Boston Public Library's Writer in Residence program and has had articles published through WBUR's Cognaceti, Condé Them and Writer Unboxed his debut novel, Flyboy, which he worked on in the incubator. It tells the story of a closeted trans teenager who becomes a flying trapeze artist in a magical dream circus, all while navigating senior year at a new Catholic high school. Uh, His book is going to be published in spring of 2024 by Harper Collins. So congratulations, Casey. Welcome, Casey. I'm so happy to have you on.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Uh, I am super happy to be here for the last episode.
0: For the very last episode, and if you notice over, if Casey leans back, he's got this wonderful background that if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see, but if he leans back in a certain way, you'll see a teddy bear appear in a tree. <laughs> you can't quit there. There it is. Okay. So Casey, I want to go back yesterday uh, to yesterday, some some of the stuff we were talking about with Meta Wagner um, in terms of finding your why, because something awful happened this weekend that kind of reiterated... Your why, And so I'm going to have us talk about that first, and then we're going to to talk about that bigger question or that that other question. So, Casey, um, what happened this weekend and how did that kind of bring you back to your why?
1: Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Um, So as Michelle said, my book is about a closeted trans teenage boy. Um, I myself am trans and, you know, my coming out and not seeing stories with these characters back in 2017 is really the first why of of why my character is trans and why I started this book. Um, and I was at the amazing, incredible, uh, writing retreat with novel incubus this weekend. Um, and Sunday was, um, trans day of remembrance, um, which, you know, is a time of year to remember trans people who have whose lives have been lost often in in some terrible ways uh, throughout the year. Um, when I woke up that morning and made the mistake of checking Twitter, don't don't do that yeah. morning, uh, I saw that there had been a shooting overnight um in Colorado at a queer nightclub that five lives had been lost. Um, and to wake up to this, you know, on the morning of Trans Day of Remembrance, I may have said visibility earlier, it's remembrance, um, was really tough. Um, it, it kind of threw me off my writing all day. Um but, but it it does go back to that question of of the why. And I do think that really reiterated that for me. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes this, you know, life being a writer can feel a little like like a luxury. You know, you're you get to write. you do you know fun stuff. You're on a retreat with friends and chatting novels and drinking way too much wine. Um But I realized, too that, you know, writing a book like this one and the climate we're in now with, you know, Texas most recently trying to pass um a particular district uh passing a, a ban on all books that have trans characters for for all ages of, of children in their schools um writing a book like this is, is an act of resistance I think and yeah. I just think it's so important you know on the one hand I want my book to be enjoyed by many people and I want it to be informative to for, for many people but my book is for trans people it's for trans kids especially who've been under attack this year and it's you know for trans people who are older too because I think a lot of us didn't get the the childhood we could have had otherwise and are still having our coming of ages at multiple ages Um, yeah
0: yeah great okay and yeah um terrible things that force us back to our why It's, it's it's just it reminds us what we're doing, reminds us why we're doing it. Um, you know, some of us might not have such a you know kind of extreme um, why or even important whys maybe because we're we've been in more privileged uh, places already so we don't feel like we need our voices out as much, but we can support other voices and then we can also find our our smaller why. I think it's important. Okay, let's get to. This big question. So Casey, you've been working on, you've, you've finished quote unquote, your book in the novel incubator, and then you finished it again and again before you got an agent. And then you finished it with the agent
1: mm-hmm.
0: and now you're finishing it again. Um, what does being done mean to you?
1: It's funny, Michelle, you kind of almost stole my thunder there, but it's good <laughs> Good read in because I think that's the question of, of how do you know you're done? Is that done enough for what? Um, I think There's so many different stages. I think when you start a project, um, it might be done enough to show critique partners or it might be, when are you done enough to start querying agents? As you said, when are you done enough with your agent to try and get an editor? And then with your editor, when are you done enough to move on to, you know, line edits. And then when are you just done? Um, and I think that one, you know, I think that one in some ways is the easy one. I think I'm not there yet in the process, but I have a feeling somebody is just going to tell me, okay, you're done. You need to stop now. We have to put this to print. So I think that last one will be out of my hands a bit. Um, but most of the other ones, I think a bit, you know, were in my hands for me with, you know, a first draft, especially I usually, if I get through the whole first draft, I often still have these big, like, I am so unsatisfied with this one arc in particular, and I can't imagine showing this to anyone else until I fixed it. Yeah. You know, and so I'll go back and do at least another draft oftentimes. Um, And so then there might be a point where it's like, okay, I know there are still things that need fixing, but what I really need now is to talk it out with people who are much smarter than me. And so then it's done enough to send to my, you know, revision group, right? Right. And right. then you know, this draft. I think before I went out querying, um, I'd probably done about five major overhauls. And I don't, I don't
0: even count mine because I think it's frightening. <laughs> I don't even count my revisions. So I, 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 I like, I'm glad like that you're putting a number on it. Yeah.
1: Um, but it's how it's organized in my in my Scrivener, so I, I knew know there was five. Um, but it's funny because I had, I'd written a book before this, well well shelved now. But I thought that was the book I was going to query with. And I just kept putting it off. I just kept putting it off. And Mm. then I realized I was trans and I had this idea and I was like, nope, this is the one. So I started fresh, which was scary. Um, It felt a bit like I was never going to get to querying. And, you know, in the process of the incubator, you know, the pandemic hit right as our class year was ending. And so everything just got really. Delayed and spent a bit of time in that COVID depression fog that I think many of us probably fell into, Um, and I thought for sure, you know, oh, I need to cut five thousand words before you know I can query. I don't want to go over this number, and I don't know. I just had one night about a about a year ago this time actually in November Mm -hmm. um, where I had done these revisions and all that was left was cutting some words, and I couldn't do it anymore. I stayed up till three in the morning making a list and sent out my first queries. So sometimes I think you just have to do things for yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That way. I'm done enough for this part.
0: You've done enough for this part. And you know, it is, it is kind of nice and comfortable when people tell you you're done because you're like, okay, and then comes the terrifying part where, where you realize that people are actually going to read the book, (laughs) um, even though that's something you've been pushing for all along, it can sometimes be a little bit like, oh, wait, I can no longer change it, I can no longer make changes, so that could be a little, uh, like, wait a minute, um, I'm getting exactly what I wanted, that could be a problem, um, and then I've, I've said this before, when you do readings, Um, I don't know any single author that doesn't edit their reading text (laughs) as they're doing readings. So in all honesty, you're never done because you're constantly remaking that book and changing it even after it's published. And and a lot of writers are doing that. And that's because I'm going to go back to the definition of a novel is a long piece of prose that is always broken. (laughs) And you're always trying to fix it. And you're always working on it. And you're, and it's never, you know, it's 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 never going to quite. It's like two parallel li- lines will never meet. Um, it's that sort of thing. So we have a few interesting comments in the chat that I think will help us define this even more. Um, one writer says, after three years of revising, I am done. I'm querying. So querying, I do think, is different than being done, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It means you think you're at the stage to query um and this writer also says I'm also still in my workshop and still polishing is that a contradiction or is it common
1: I don't I don't think so um I think and and by things I don't mean I don't think it's a contradiction yeah I think a lot of people you know querying you know can go really quickly it can go really well and really quickly but I think it's most common especially right now for it to go very slowly yeah Um, agents are so backed up you know, I queried around this time of year last year and things didn't even really pick up at all until the new year with the holidays, the the backlog. And so, you know, I took a step away because I just, I wanted to spend my December reading, but I I know a lot of friends. And I think if, it, if the query process had continued for much longer, I probably would have been back in there tinkering with it. Um, you know, there's a lot of reading into the silence. Um, I think you should know that the silence often is just at that point. They haven't read things. Yeah. Um, most agents by the time they've looked at your stuff, they'll they'll reject it or they won't. But the silence is probably just the backlog. Um, but yeah, you know, you think of new things all the time. And as I think Michelle and I both said, you know, querying means you were done enough to query, yeah, but not that you're done. And so of course there's still gonna be things to do. Um and so I think it makes sense that you're, you're still tinkering, but also try not to read too much into the silence as, as rejection.
0: Yeah. And if you are getting rejections today, um, I mean, I didn't want to go too much into the publishing process, but today, m- the majority of writers get ghosted. So they never hear back from the agents at all. And that seems to become just really, really ordinary, that if they, if it's a rejection, then you actually won't, won't even get an email back. You won't even get notice back. And, and it's, it's, it's awful. Um, but it's become really common. So if you actually do get a written rejection and it has a piece of uh, advice or some editorial commentary, you're pretty lucky. Um, but just know that you're not the only one that's getting ghosted out there. You're not the only one that's hearing nothing. Um, and then, um, we have another question in the chat. I've done line edits with my editor. I'm now polishing for copy edits and I'm still worried it's not quite done enough.
1: Well, I think you're just previewing my future actually. Um, <laughs> right. I'm still doing some developmental edits with my editor. Um, so we have not moved on to line and copy edits. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I can't speak to how I'll feel about that but I I think I'm, a, I'm ready to move on to the next project. I love this book. So I think I'll be fine, I hope i don't know it would probably hit me that like oh my god this will be in the world and i can't touch it anymore so i think it is casey
0: <laughs> i think i haven't heard of any writer that doesn't um you just got your best wish and now you're freaking out um it tends to be though you don't tend to be a nervous type so um you're pretty strong in that way we get another question um <clears throat> uh You know, with the the edits and the copy edits, what I also find with writers is that they've been tinkering their sentences, sometimes for years. Hmm. Um, And I also uh, like to say that exhaustion is not completion. You know, just because you've been working on the book for years does not actually mean that it's done. And I'll I'll oftentimes, you know, I hear that sometimes, well, I'm just gonna publish myself because I've been working on this for years. Um, Again, that doesn't, which is fine, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a finished book. Um, Because a lot of times we are looking on very smaller concerns when we go through our books. And we like, even in workshops, people see like, oh, I like this sentence, or I like this sentence. When what they really need to talk about is, do you need to cut the first 150 pages? Do you need to get rid of three characters or combine three characters? Do you have a pacing problem throughout the book? So it's very different than line edits and, and being in a group and, and taking that step back to look at big picture stuff is something that the novel incubator does a lot of, because most of the time people are focusing very, very closely on very small things that are just not going to be helpful for the full for the full book process. Um, and then another question, if you could estimate what do you think are the percents done after three stages querying agent revision publisher revision.
1: That's a good question. I think um, you know so a friend from the novel incubator um, got her book deal about six months before mine and so has been a little bit ahead of me in this this whole process and I think it's helped me realize that there is that not everyone even at this stage is is on the same percent done. So when I got my agent, um, the consensus from the the few agents who made offers, even if some of them were much more editorial agents than others was this is almost ready to go out to publishers which is different again than this book is done and ready to be published right um but in my case I think I had just done enough to kind of do a very light round of revision um with my agent before we went out to editors um and even then my editor I'm doing more revision now than my agent asked for but it's not a substantial overhaul I think the bones are really there more you know asher's very in his head you know sometimes he's an observer can he be on the page a little more or this arc with his grandparents tends to drop out in the middle of the book can we get something to kind of fill that gap um versus you know my friend and and I don't think she's publicly announced yet so I won't give her a shout out yet but she's brilliant um but with hers you know she has two characters with you know their own separate storylines and I think you know she spent longer on her agent revisions. And then when she got her editor, I think she had to do a pretty substantial overhaul of one of those characters' points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this was a book that had been bought by you know, a publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you want to have things as polished as you can, especially in this climate of publishing. Um, but even still, there are going to be different levels of, of done within that.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're thinking about just basic polishing <clears throat> before you send it to agents, you want that manuscript to be clean. Um, mm-hmm. if there are a lot of grammatical mistakes or grammatical, um, grammatical mistakes, grammatical mistakes, see, this is what happens. It's like AM, a grammatical mistakes, um, or misspellings, um, you know, anything like that, that can be an excuse on the page for the agent or um, the you know, <clears throat> 20-year-old intern that they've hired to wade through the, the stack to just say no. And what they're looking for are reasons to say no because their pile is really damn big. And so what you've given them, is basically like showing up to a business meeting in pajamas, which is funny because I am now in my pajamas, but I'm not actually out in the world <laughs> in a business meeting. <laughs> uh, with other people in suits. Um, so be very careful with that. Um, and then, uh, I do think actually exhaustion might me is the time to give it to reader <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: that that is a good indication. You can't see it anymore. You can't, you can't look at it. You, uh, want to, you know, dose it in gasoline and set it on fire and, <laughs> and bury it and then drop it from a, you know, plane, you know, one is destroyed in as many ways as possible. That's also a symptom of of being exhausted. Give it to other readers, give yourself some space from it. Um, And readers that you trust, readers that will be both encouraging, but also challenge you
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, is really, really important. Um, And there are some writers, I know, I have a friend who's been working on a novel for 20 years, and I'm like, you know, you might, you might, Try querying at this point. So it also it also depends on who you are, um, what if I know people that rush to, to, to get feedback and rush to send to agents way, way too quickly. Um, so you do when you send it to an agent, you do really want to feel that it's quite polished and it, it's as, as good as you can possibly give it. get it. And then they will make you change it. <laughs> yeah, that's the most, that's the most difficult. That's the most difficult thing. Um, and so we have another question in the chat. How are you thinking, how about thinking you're done querying agents and not getting a response? Do you go back to the drawing board?
1: That is a good question um, from our own, it looks like inky B Cameron Dryden. Um, thank you for that question, Cameron. Um, you know, I think, so when I was querying, I would urge you maybe not to get too obsessed with the data. And, and I know Cameron is, is all about the data, so I can't stop him. but. Um, I was on query tracker and I was paying for it at the time. So I could kind of get a sense, um, of which agents, you know, will respond in days, which agents will eventually respond and which agents will ghost unless they've accepted you. Mm -hmm. And so I found that to be helpful, especially in this climate of ghosting to tell if it had, you know, if it was silence, but they're getting there or silence and I've probably been rejected. And if you have some reason, maybe too much time has passed or you have some kind of data to back it up that it's silence as rejection um, and you've queried, you know, a substantial enough amount um, without hopefully going overboard in the first round, I do think probably you want to go back to the drawing board, bring in some friends, um, you know, see what could be holding things up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's yeah. a tough one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um... If you're
0: getting if you're getting no response whatsoever, I would take a look at your query. Um, if, if you if you haven't heard if you've sent queries out and you haven't heard from anyone in what three or four months, then you're then you really you know you really need to have a look at your query because some a query letter is just a, a basic business letter and some people aren't very good at doing that. Um, I had a, yeah. one of my.
1: Great at what, books, bad at queries. Men,
0: well, most people are bad at queries. I had a, I had a brilliant, brilliant friend. She's one of the best writers I know. And she was about ready to query an agent and she had a three page query. So I actually had to go back and go look, no, 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 no this is not a query. Um, and she is one of the smartest people I know. So who and who really wants to be good at a query letter? That's not that's not like a skill set that people should be bragging about because it's all just yucky. Um, but, but get some help in that way. Also, um, and this is true for workshops or uh, getting feedback from agents. If you, get, if you get one comment about something and they're like, well, you got to fix this, or this seems wrong. I would put that on the back burner until you get at least a second and possibly a third person saying it. If you find yourself making changes for each individual uh, person's read, then you're going to be in trouble. Um, and then you will never be done, (laughs) Um, because you always be trying to satisfy that for other people.
1: Yeah. My book, the same, almost the same exact version of my book that, you know, got some rejections with feedback on ways that they would, you know, want it changed is the same book that got multiple agents interested and multiple editors interested. Right. So, you know, if I had listened to all of that, you know, it would have been that book you
0: would never be there. You'd never get done. Yeah. Because then you're writing the book to satisfy everybody. And that's one thing too. You will never write a book that satisfies everybody. Um, Your book is not going to be for every reader. Um, And so that's really important to like, well, who are my readers? Who do I really, who are really important to me? And it's also important when you're giving feedback to others, you might not be their reader, you know? Um, And again, I've seen on Amazon or Goodreads, you know, I don't like, Y a fantasy, so one star for this book, which <laughs> makes no sense because you shouldn't even be judging it at all because you're just not their reader. Um, mm-hmm. So be very attention, pay attention to people that are um, your readers and and are working with your intentions, um, and they can help you the most. Um, and then we get another question: How common is it for an agent to accept a manuscript and also say it needs significant revisions? Seems like they wouldn't want it if that's what they believe.
1: Um. I'm not entirely sure how common it is, but I don't think it's unheard of. One of the things that was, you know, helped me a little bit um, in deciding between the agents who did offer is learning a bit about their style of working with clients, um, particularly because, you know, this book may be quite polished by the time it reaches them, but my future books undoubtedly will be less polished by the time my agent sees it. Yeah. Um, just, you know, cause I, I can't spend a whole, incubator year, refining it, and, you know, I wish I could. And a lot of
0: agents will work with you and as will. development yeah. editors. And so and so yeah. I think
1: I would imagine that a more, um, you know, an agent who really likes to get their hands in, is more developmental, you know, likes to do more editorial work, would be potentially more willing to accept a client whose work still needs some overhaul if they really, you know, fell in love with it, versus one who really deals more with the business side, I think would be rejecting those. Um, sometimes agents will, give what are called R&Rs, revise and resubmits. And so they'll say, you know, they, they're very generous. They give, you know, often some feedback and say why they loved it so much. And we'll say, you know, if you, you know, do a substantial overhaul, if you tackle some of these things, I would be interested in taking another look. Um, and so you might also find that as sort of the in-between of accepting right. but also asking for huge revisions. Right. And
0: so, um, And I so it does depend on the agent. I think it's a red flag for an agent not to make any ask Mm -hmm. for any changes whatsoever. Then you're in trouble Um, because then the agent wants to do as little work as possible Mm -hmm. and just send it out and try to make money. Um, so it's very easy for an agent to, to do that. Oh yeah, I'll try to sell it for you because they haven't put any work in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are certain agents um, that have have made a living on that until everyone kind of catches on, um, but that's actually what they're doing. Um, so I think it can be very helpful and talk to an agent, if you particularly if you sign with an agent, how much do they really work with revising and editorial and stuff? Cause that can be really, really helpful to you. Um, um, again, as you continue in your career with them, that they're willing to do that um, can be very helpful. So I think the fact that they're asking for revisions is probably a good sign because it also means that they um, are committed to the project um, mm-hmm. and are really interested in putting the work in because they're exhausted. They don't want to put the work in unless they see that um, that there's something they can do with it. Um, and they won't, you will get a rejection if they don't have a vision for what those, edits might be mm-hmm. or what that revision might be, then they will reject it. But if they have a, a revision and they can see the book and you talk with them and you kind of agree on the basic vision, then that then that's a good that's a good match. And that that will really work. Um and then we have also have another question. Do you ever have a chat an agent or editor tell you make big changes that you disagree with? How do you respond?
1: Um I haven't had that yet, but I think the important thing is when I was choosing, you know, to sign with my agent. And, and it is a choice, right? Even when you've queried, even if you only have one agent make an offer, you still have to make a choice. And that choice can be no. Um, and then again, with with the editors, um, part of that was a conversation about the book. And what I learned is they really do need to be able to actually talk about your book and understand the book and be able to articulate what it is they love and for you to know that they get the book. Um, yeah. And, and, and also to talk then about what changes they're thinking about. But if they don't get it, I think then you're more likely to get into a situation where they're asking for things that you don't want to do. You don't have to accept every change that is, is, you know, put forth. But I I think perhaps if if your visions did differ too much after signing, you would have to end up maybe going separate ways. Um, So I think definitely have those conversations if you can.
0: Beforehand, you should be having those conversations beforehand, before you sign with an agent, before you sign with an editor. There are those calls that an agent will want to set up a call with you, or an editor will want to set up a call with you um, to discuss that stuff. Um, at the same time, editors expect you to say no sometimes. Mm-hmm they do expect that um they expect you to be a writer that's got opinions and and you can do that um so it becomes a conversation it's not just that you have to do something or otherwise you're you're out uh that's that's not what i've ever heard of in terms of editorial relationship They'll, they'll work with you and they expect you to say no um we also have a question in the chat what is a query letter so Again, there's a lot of people that, that are going back to the basics and just don't know, possibly because they've avoided that part of this whole thing because it's yucky. I mean, starting to try to sell your work and all that stuff can be really yucky. So, but you can find out if you Google what is a query letter and how do I do a query letter, you will find a lot of information about that online. Um, so it is out there. Just know that you know what you don't know and and then go for it. Um, okay. I think you know, Casey, I don't want to end. This is the 50th show. So I feel like we could just keep going <laughs> with that little teddy bear over your shoulder and we could just, uh, yeah, but I think we have to end. I think we actually have to,
1: Shall. <laughs> finally awake. I know
0: know you're finally awake. Um, But everyone, so if you are subscribed to the Substack channel at 7amnovelist.substack.com, look forward to announcements that I will be having um, that tell you what I'm going to do next. So I am planning to do something in the spring, most likely in March. So look for that. I'll probably make an announcement of that at the beginning of December. And you can also give me feedback. I'm also going to be asking for feedback. Um, and so if you are just new to this, listening to all of this and new to this podcast, I recommend going back to, to episode one and following right through and creating your own little writing challenge um, or do it as a group. Uh, you can absolutely do that. And you can actually listen to all of the episodes on Substack or on any uh, podcast platform. Um, and that is it. Casey, what are you going to do today?
1: I was going to go back to sleep but now i think i might just go right
0: exactly exactly that's the point yes all right let's not go back to sleep let's get some writing done thank you so much everyone thank you for being with us and again look forward to what we're going to do next because we're not going to drop the ball on on this we've had too much excitement and too much interest and too much community going on all right good morning everyone and thank you for being a part of it